We're going to hear now from God's word from Philippians 3, Paul's letter to the Philippians. And I'm going to invite Taz to come this morning and bring our reading. So welcome up, Taz. Thank you. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss. Compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in the sufferings, in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Last week um, was the Melbourne Marathon. Did you like the segue? Um, and there was, I read this week, there was 35,000 runners who participated in those five different events, one of them being the marathon, which is a 42.19 kilometre run. But, you know, if I wanted to run the marathon, which is quite unlikely next year, probably one of the most unhelpful pieces of advice someone could give me as I led up to that race in October 2019 would be this piece of advice. Just wake up on the morning... You know, get your mind in the right frame and and be determined and just go for it. Just go for it. Just run it. Everyone who knows anything about running or endurance or exercise or, you know, huge kind of fitness events like that would know that that would be completely foolish. If I wanted to run a marathon, and I never have and I probably never will, Um, I live my marathon dreams through my lovely husband who has run a marathon. But if I wanted to run a marathon and run it successfully, I would train. I would train for that race. And, you know, the journey of following Jesus is a bit like a marathon because it is a long race and it's a long journey and it requires endurance and it requires sticking at it. But just like the the poor advice that that, you know, hypothetical person might give me about, you know, just getting up on the day, the 13th of October 2019 and going for it, running those 42 Ks, we can sometimes get things wrong or kind of twist things around with thinking about discipleship or spiritual formation, which I'm going to be talking about this morning. There's kind of half-truths that we can believe about the the race of following Jesus. And so this morning, very practically, I want to start with a couple of myths that we sometimes believe about spiritual formation. Or if you've never heard that term spiritual formation, then following Jesus is a really good, you know, another term. So a couple of myths, firstly, of spiritual formation that you just might have come across in your own journey. So, two myths or half-truths that we can so often believe. First one is this. All you need to do to follow Jesus or to be formed by Jesus is know your Bible. 
Now, often the approach to discipleship in church can be very much information-based. Now, who loves stuff like reading, podcasts, and study? Who, if you, are you that kind of a person, a reading, study, podcast kind of a person? Don't be ashamed to put up your hands high. I am also in this bucket. <laughs> These are all great things. They are super helpful for our discipleship, aren't they? In fact, so often in our Willie Church news, I'll be putting things in, resources, new podcasts I've come across, things I'm finding helpful, ways that we can get to know Jesus and travel with Jesus more intentionally. And there's so many incredible resources out there. But if we solely have an intellectual approach to discipleship, we can miss something really important. And so there's this, this myth, and some churches kind of seem to like major on this more than others. You might have grown up in a church where it was all about, okay, just Bible study, and then you go to the talk, and then you go and you do the mini course, and then you do the longer theology course, and then you go and you'll go to do some theological study at a college. It's all about learning and intellectual, hey. And some churches, they can kind of just sort of end up resting on this and perhaps miss the holistic approach to discipleship, which I want to talk about this morning. There's this great quote um, by a guy, James K.A. Smith. If you ever get a chance to read any of his stuff, um, even if you're not an intellectual type, um, he's writes some incredible things. But um, he says this, you can't think your way to Christ-likeness. And we all know it's true, don't we? Information doesn't always lead to transformation. Information doesn't always lead to transformation. Information alone doesn't bring people to Jesus. And getting back to the marathon illustration, if I wanted to run that marathon next year, I wouldn't just pick up a book on running marathons or, or just start listening to a podcast on running, running marathons or hang out with Charlie or George or I'm sure there's a few others in this church who run marathons. Um, I wouldn't just do that, would I? I would train and practice um, to prepare for that marathon. So a really helpful myth for us to actually bust this idea that all we need to do is know our Bible. Now, that's not to say that the Bible is not absolutely central in knowing Jesus, but I just want to say there's, there's actually more to the picture of spiritual formation today. Now, second myth I want to bust a bit is that you don't need to do anything for your spiritual formation. It's all God. He is going to do it all. And this is like saying, you know, if I wanted to run that marathon next year, well, you know what I'd do? I would just pray. I'd just pray all year. For 12 months, I'd pray really hard that I could run that marathon, that I could do it in God's power, and that I'd be successful. This myth says that emotional experience of God or God showing up, which often we talk about, which is such a helpful way and practical way of thinking about God's transformation and encounter, this myth says that it's all that and that it's not us partnering with God in our discipleship. Now, some people um, here, and, and certainly myself, we've been to conferences or churches or maybe even belong to churches where it seems to be all about encounter with God and all about like an emotional experience of God. 
Emotional experiences and encounters with God are incredible. But there also needs to be lasting change, daily change, organic, in our bones kind of change in our lives for us to follow Jesus fully. And it's not all just God doing it in us. We have a part to play in our discipleship. We partner with God in our formation. And a quote from Dallas Willard, grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. So this idea that if we are um, training in our spiritual walk with Jesus, that, that that's not a bad thing that we partner with God, that actually if we're you know, living in the grace of God, we're not about earning God's grace, but we are about tra- training and trying in our spiritual walk to be like Jesus, to live like Jesus, to do the things Jesus did in our daily lives. And, you know, this is exactly what Paul is getting at, the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3 in our reading today, which I've chosen um, for us to look at. Because he says this, and this comes out from comes from the message version. He says, I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made. Now, Paul's a pretty incredible example of someone who followed Jesus fully and had a huge life transformation. But he's, he's saying, I'm not saying I've got it all together, that you know I've got all my ducks in a row, but I am well on my way. And he says, I'm reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. I love that. I'm reaching out for Christ. There's this this desire, this posture in Paul. And we call this spiritual formation. This time last year, we had Sunday school, which was a three-part discipleship training um, that we ran over three lunchtimes on Sundays, and a number of you were a part of Sunday school. And it was a really rich time of learning. And I said a couple of weeks ago, and I, when I spoke on unintentional spiritual formation, I said that the, the learning and the teaching and the time together and what we tapped into in that time was so rich that I really thought I wanted to bring it into the Sunday morning space this year and this term um, in this series, The True You, when we're looking at our identity. And and so I just felt it was so helpful that I wanted it to be part of our Sunday morning gatherings this term. And I introduced a paradigm a couple of weeks ago, and I've um, included it today in your Willie Church news pack. It's a paradigm of uh, unintentional spiritual formation. So there's one um, kind of grid illustration for you. And then there's one that's titled Intentional Spiritual Formation. Formation. You can either grab it out or if you don't have it handy, um, I'm going to introduce the intentional spiritual formation paradigm this morning. But like I said, I'm so convinced that this is so helpful to us as a church, as people who follow Jesus and want to faithfully follow him with our whole lives. I just thought this was so central and we could explore it as a church together. And now this isn't my own idea. It's actually off the back of church history and scripture (laughs) of hundreds of years of people looking at what does it mean to follow Jesus. Um, But there's a guy in Portland, Oregon in the US who um, came actually and spoke in Melbourne this time last year, John Mark Comer. 
and um, I was privileged to hear him and a number of others um, actually in our church heard him too. And it's this incredible, helpful paradigm around how do we intentionally have our lives soaked in who Jesus is and how do we intentionally experience the love of God and allow ourselves to be the most shaped and the most formed by Jesus so that we can grow to be more like him in our daily lives. I met up with a friend a few months ago. It was actually a friend who I kind of half thought might possibly apply for the role here um, for my maternity leave replacement. He didn't end up applying, but we did end up having a fascinating conversation that day on raising children to know Jesus. And one of the things that he shared on this day was that he and his wife had been really looking into Montessori education. Now, not everyone will have heard of that, and that's fine. But Montessori is basically a, a kind of paradigm of education and a way of thinking about learning. And I'm not going to say much more about it because I don't know enough about it to talk about it. <laughs> but he and his wife had become so kind of passionate about this type of paradigm, Montessori, that they were looking at moving with their two children from Bundura or somewhere like that in the northern suburbs here to Williamstown because there's actually a Montessori school in Williamstown called Lumineer. And they would just die hard into it. In fact, he was kind of like an evangelist for it, talking with me as someone who has a two-year-old girl. But this is an example of formation, of intentional formation. He and his wife were, you know, reading lots, like listening to podcasts, um, talking with friends, joining Montessori Facebook groups and all kinds of things to learn more about it and learn how they could parent their children and educate their children in a way that um, was aligning with this style. And it made me think, that's what we're on about in the church. We want to surround ourselves with an environment that's going to help us know Jesus. Am I right? And we need to do that quite intentionally because, as I said two weeks ago and as I preached on in that message, our culture is forming us every single second of the day. Just by waking up, we are being formed by our culture. And so it's really important as the church of Jesus and as a church that's passionate about seeing all of us become more like our King Jesus that we equip each other to organise our life in such a way that we become more like Jesus. Jesus. And so I just want to touch on this, and this is something for you to take away. It's a tool for you. But this is how we change. This is how we change. The beginning point of all of our transformation, um, and we read about transformation in Romans 12. It was our scripture last week, where Paul talks about the renewing of the mind and not conforming to the patterns of the world, the spiritual formation of our world. But the beginning point of spiritual formation is teaching. And it's right up the top there in that top rectangle. And we've talked a bit about it already, that, that um, we come on Sundays and hear the word of God. We are open to it day by day with Bible reading plans and podcasts and time um, reading spiritual reading, other ways that we find out more about Jesus in our day-to-day -day lives. So, we are big on teaching here at Williamstown Church and, and we are very, very much prioritising the word of God and, and the teaching of the word of God and we're unashamed about that and you know that already. 
Our podcast actually is something that is downloaded by a number of you in our church, but actually there's a number of people out there who are listening to our podcast, listening to the teaching of this church who don't actually belong to this church. And so we as a church see that as a tool, a tool that we are putting out there that hopefully brings people to a place where they're encountering Jesus and good teaching, we pray, um, through that tool. So teaching is really important. If we're going to change, if we're going to be spiritually formed to know Jesus, then exposing yourself and myself to good teaching, the Bible and other teaching on the Bible and um, other spiritual reading is really important. Secondly, I want to touch on community because community is this. Community is where we grow in faith. And one of the most amazing things about the Christian walk is that we get to do it together with other people. Now, for the extrovert in me, that excites me a lot because I don't like doing things alone. (laughs) But even if you're introverted, it is so helpful and important to, in ways that are right for you, expose yourself to community, to others who will shape you and speak into your life and help you do life in a way that intentionally centres your life on Jesus. Now, we are really, I think, really good at being an encouraging and warm community. In this church, and particularly in the past, I don't know, year, year and a half, there's just been this absolutely upping and beautiful kind of elevating of pastoral care and prayer, um, looking out for each other, noticing when people aren't around and, and making sure we're really connected in that way. But as well as encouragement, We want to be a church where we expose each other. And I mean that in a really helpful way. Like a sponge when it's squeezed. We want to be a community where we get others reflecting back who we are and who we truly are. And and maybe some of the, the stuff that is hard to name, but actually the things that are really necessary for us to grow to be named. Um, It's kind of like, you know, in marriage, in my marriage or our marriage, where, you know, we'll say things that are uncomfortable and it's a bit of a risk to say it to the other one, but actually you know that each we each want to grow and we want to say the hard things sometimes because it's going to be fruitful in the end. But we all know it's a bit of a risk, isn't it, to say it or, or it's a risk to open yourself up and say, you know what, can you tell me what really is the problem and how can I you know, do better. Um, It's a vulnerable thing, but it's an important thing, isn't it? So community is so important. I said a while ago, about four weeks ago to you guys, that, you know, if we just came, if we just listen to stats or information or maybe a podcast, we get about 20% of it that sticks and stays, like this morning. About 20% of what I say will stick, and that's okay. But if you talk about it with someone, like in a discipleship group um, or in groups that we're going to be launching in this church called DNA groups, and you'll hear more about those soon, if you talk about your faith or something you want to change, the likelihood is 60% of what you say will come to fruition. 60%. That's pretty high. And so we want to be a church that community happens and that we're doing faith not on just, you know, come on Sunday and leave, but we are living out our faith in groups of people. So that's community. Lastly, practice. Practice. And this is a really fun one because you get really creative with this one. 
You know, the spiritual practices, and we did a series um, about 18 months ago on spiritual practices. You can find it on our podcast. The spiritual practices or disciplines, as they're sometimes called, are all about encountering Jesus, becoming more aware of Jesus in our lives, and shaping us so that we become more like Jesus in our everyday interactions and relationships. I'm going to give you a little bit of a sample of some of these. You'll know a lot of these already, and a lot of you will already um, be incorporating these practices into your week-by-week lives. But things like silence, solitude, um, prayer, prayer in groups, prayer alone, Bible reading, worship, singing along to worship or reading psalms, coming to church is a spiritual practice, taking the Lord's Supper, um, living simply rather than, you know, living flash, flash lives, repentance and asking for forgiveness, gratitude, the practice of being grateful and thankful, fasting is another one, Sabbath or taking time to rest and stop working, Praying for healing, doing acts of evangelism, talking about Jesus, acts of mercy, generosity, and so on. These are the spiritual practices. And the good thing about these is they can be tailored to who you are and how you encounter God. So I love that about them. There's lots of room to move and there's no hard and fast rules with the spiritual practices. So practice is so important. If we're going to be intentionally formed, to know Jesus and make him known. And the Holy Spirit is our environment. I love when Charlie and I are so in tune with each other, particularly on a weekend day, where one goes out, usually one goes out with Zoe and does something like a playground or something, and if we need time, I'm working or he's doing or having a run or whatever, one of us is in tune. It's the weekend. We usually have a sneaky donut or vanilla slice or something in our house on the weekend. And Charlie will be in tune with me that he knows he's meant to get the donuts or the vanilla slices. And he gets home and I'm like, you knew that I wasn't going to get it and that you were going to get it and that we now have our dessert for once so he goes to sleep and we can have our treats because we're very strict. We don't really give our sugar yet. We're, we're very naughty parents. But um, just to say that being in tune with God, this is it, the spirit. We're in tune with God. We are kind of living in the flow. I know that's a bit of a, you know, kind of Eastern term, but living in the flow of the spirit. Do you know what I mean? We know when we're like doing that well, and we're, I'm sure all of us know when we're kind of out of kilter with God and we're not really in step. But this whole um, idea is that we would be living in the flow of the Spirit. And we are in tune with God. And Scripture talks about this a number of times. All right. So these are the things over which we have high control. There's that line there. See the line? So above the line, we have high control. Like, we have ownership, guys, over living these things. And you can choose with your spare time what you do. Do you watch Netflix or open your Bible reading plan? Do you look at YouTube or, you know, read this book that someone recommended you read to find out more about scripture? Like we have high control over a number of things in our lives, including how we spend our time and the habits that we have. And we have low control over other things. And it's helpful to... um, Let's have a look here where it says, over time we are formed, and it says here, through the hard knocks of life. And I love John Mark Comer, how he puts that there, because it's so real, isn't it? 
We are all formed through experience, but we are all formed sometimes most pivotally through the hard knocks of life. We talked about this in our EHS series a while ago when we talked about the wall. Do you remember the wall? And how those times in life can be so formative and so tricky and hard and challenging, but also so rich in changing us. So the hard knocks of life, I just wanted to point that out. That's part of this. That's part of how transformation happens. Whether we love that reality or not, it is so much a part of how God is at work in our lives. All right, so in summary, this all takes time. God is not in a rush with us. He isn't, you know, a workhorse pushing us, but God desires to partner with us that we might be changed, like the 2 Corinthians 3 passage, into his, um, you know, likeness, to become more like Jesus. Like a marathon, it's going to take preparation and intentionality. It's going to take some sacrifice. I remember when Charlie was um, preparing to run the Vancouver Marathon and there would be Saturday after Saturday where he'd just be off running for two and a half hours of the day. And it's like half the day goes by and he's gone, you know. Um, But following Jesus requires sacrifice and intentionality if we're going to run that marathon that Paul speaks about in the Philippians 3 passage. So, church, just want to encourage us this morning. This has been more of a teaching morning than a preaching morning, but just want to encourage us to run that race and to run it with intentionality. I wonder what things has God been bringing to mind for you this morning. I just want to invite us to take a moment to pray. So just invite you to perhaps put your hands out in front of you or close your eyes or both. Adopt a posture of quietness before God and sometimes changing our physical posture can help us to to kind of refresh to refocus Lord Jesus I want to thank you for your word this morning I want to thank you that you speak truth through your word the Bible thank you that we had this incredible guidebook, this incredible foundation upon which to build our lives. Thank you so much for the way that you've been speaking to us this morning by your spirit here with us. And I want to pray that the things of you, God, the things of your truth, the things that you have been breathing over us individually and corporately would really stick this morning. Um, and God, anything that is uh, not of you, God, that would just fall fall to the side. God, we want to be a people that, that are being changed. And we're in a world where we're being formed, but we want to be formed by you, God. And so this morning, once again, we say, come, have your way with us. Lord, shape our lives, so fashion our lives that we might live for you, Jesus, in a world so desperate for hope and answers, purpose, life and life to the full. In a world that is thirsty and hungry, God, we want to be able to speak who you are, Jesus, the hope that you've brought to our lives, the way that we have purpose and that we have found um, a hope um, that is just never going to fade. And so, Lord, this week, equip us to be your people. Equip us to, um, in our work, in our parenting, 
in our friendships, in our marriages. Um, equip us as we care for those who are older than us. Equip us to be like Jesus in all of those capacities. Use us for your glory. Yeah, and we thank you um, that you are changing us and you're changing this community. And um, God, that you never give up on us. We just praise you and thank you for that incredible promise. And we pray in the strong name of Jesus and all the people said, Amen. Amen.